Fish Unfiltered, episode 50. Not the episode you guys expected, obviously. I think uh, we made the announcement that Skip Schumacher was going to be joining us to, for, for special episode number 50. But unfortunately, um, I think you all know why he is not on here today. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, Miami Marlins general manager Kim Eng and the Miami Marlins have decided to part ways. After, I think we could just kind of look at this in the timeline. Obviously, early in the morning, Craig broke the news that they have decided to part ways. Then it was later learned that uh, the Miami Marlins actually accepted her 2024 option. She declined the mutual option, which allowed, which allowed her to, you know, go look for a new job in baseball. And uh, it was reported by Jeff Pass not too long ago as we're recording that they were looking for a new president of baseball operations. Kim Ang would have been the number two. She would have stuck at her spot as GM. And that is why she eventually decided to leave. I'm out in here with Eli Sussman, Isaac Azut. Um, guys, um, I think we're back to square one, finding a GM here. Obviously, um, that is the all for YouTube. You could see that there is the um, the statements. I'll just read them out. Uh, Miami Marlins announced today, General. Oh, Matt- this is let me let me read them out, Kevin. From Bruce, we have Bruce's perspective first. These are the okay. two sides of the issue. From Bruce. We have that the Miami Marlins announced that Kim Ng will not be returning as the club's GM, although the club exercised its option for a return in 2024. As you explained, Kim uh, declined that option. More from Bruce. We will immediately begin a thorough and extensive search for new leadership as we plan to continue to invest in the Marlins organization both on and off the field. We are committed to our fans and the South Florida community and look to build off the momentum of the great progress of this year. So then we have Kim's response from Tyler Kepner of The Athletic. He's a longtime New York-based guy who has a long relationship with Kim. And she said last week, right after they got you know eliminated from uh, the wildcard series, Bruce and I discussed his plan to reshape the baseball operations department. That goes in line with Passon's report about him looking for essentially somebody for her to report to and hire somebody over her for her to report to in our discussions, Kim continued, it became apparent that we were not completely aligned on what, on what that should look like. And I felt it was best to step step away. Yeah. No kidding. That's pretty (laughs) understandable. I wish to express my sincere gratitude and appreciation to the Marlins family and its fans for my time in South Florida. The year was a great step forward for the organization. And I will miss working with Skip Schumacher, his coaches as well as all the dedicated staff in baseball operations and throughout the front office, they are a very talented group and I wish them great success in the future. So thus ends pretty abruptly a three season tenure, three years as Marlins GM for Kim a decision that was very highly praised, lauded, beloved at the time for being as trail blazing as it was for her being as qualified as she seemed to be. And I think we're all on the same page that this year was a very huge year for her to establish herself as a viable GM. And it seemed that she had done that. And yet here we are. I think we were all aware that this was the final guaranteed year of her contract. And yet there was no extension throughout the year. And as we got deeper into the year, I would say, especially at the all-star break when the team was a million games above 500 in good position to be a buying team, that the fact that there was still no extension there and maybe not a coincidence at the deadline, she makes some win now moves, which are understandable if you don't know if you're going to be there later on. Right. So that was kind of the first tip that this might actually be coming to an end, but then for them to make the playoffs for vibes to be so good at the end of the season for Bruce himself, as Isaac can speak to now, like being complimentary of Kim so heavily once they clinch that postseason spot and yet not be able to find common grounds 
here dating back to that passing report that with Bruce as satisfied as he was with this year, he thought there were still significant changes to be made, namely having somebody above Kim in the pecking order with her no longer as the lead decision maker. And that was naturally a turnoff. So yeah, very complicated situation all in all. I just, it's a humiliating day for the organization, even if they are better off long-term, no matter who they go with from here in this particular moment, um, coming off uh, all the positivity that you had from this particular year to, to like present one version of the way this organization was headed to say that it was trending in the right direction and yet to not be able to come to terms with arguably the most important person who was involved with pushing them in this direction that they're headed in. It's a really bad look. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to uh, agree with you, Eli. Obviously you mentioned Bruce not being able to come to agreement with Kim. I think that's the more bizarre thing because obviously the simple move here, as um, Jeff Pass reported that they want to get a president of operations, the simple move would have been simply to promote Kim Ng to the president of baseball ops and either promote Ozzo Campo or Dan Greenlee to uh, general manager's role, but that was not something that Bruce felt comfortable doing, and I'm very surprised about that. And it seems that he's just sort of working backwards here because when Kim was first hired, in my opinion, it would have made sense to have someone in that president of baseball ops role. Could have been Michael Hill, could have been anyone with a lot of experience in that GM role. Instead, they went with an inexperienced executive in Derek Jeter and someone who had so many years of experience as assistant GM in Kim Ng with the Dodgers and the Yankees. And so it would have been it would have made sense for her first year with the organization to have someone to report to. Last couple of years, she's had complete control over this roster. And she even did something that no GM in Marlins history in the last 20 years, I'm sorry, was able to do. And that is make the postseason in a regular traditional 162 game year. And what does she get? She gets a new boss is what she was told after. So you can blame her for leaving. I think she had earned the right to continue making all the moves going forward. And like I said in my tweet, you can't, I don't personally can't blame her for stepping away. She, she had earned um, the right to continue making all the decisions around here. And like I said, I think the obvious move, the move that I would have done, would be to promote her to the president of baseball operations role. So there will be an extensive search for a new, for a new general manager. And I, I'm not sure if they're either going to hire from within or are they going to have to hire two new baseball operation executives? We shall see. But a, a lot of unanswered questions going to a, to a 2024 season that had a lot of hopes and promise. But now you have two huge question marks at the top of your baseball operations department. And that's not really what you want going into a, a very critical offseason. Yeah. Um, tough news, obviously, to swallow here. Kim, um, you know, and, you know, how do you say this? Kim was great this season. You get Jake Berger through the trade deadline, who not only helped you out for this season, this past season, but he is here for the next five seasons, five years. You get that a lot of control. Josh Bell most likely ends up opting in. We'll see how that ends up working out. And she'd build a team that made the playoffs, you know, despite their run differential, despite them being the worst team to ever make the playoffs, despite the one run win magic, she made the playoffs with the Marlins, something that, as Isaac mentioned, no GM had ever done in the past 20 years. So you got to give her a lot of credit. She obviously deserved to step up. If Miami was looking for president of baseball ops, the move was to move up Kim. And at this point in time, after two seasons of her having full control, why take it away now? Why now do you feel like now was the time to remove Kim from being the 
leader. Yeah, the leader at this point of this team. Uh, obviously, the intention wasn't for her to be the number one when she was originally hired. It was, as we mentioned off air, Derek Jeter, who at the time was the CEO, owner, he chose her. He wanted Kim Ang to, to be there, but she essentially had to report to him almost every move. That's why you saw the move of Avisael Garcia right before the lockout. You had the Sandy extension. You had Stallings. You had the Stallings trade. All that was her reporting to Jeter. Uh, after that, it was all her. The Solaire signing. If you want to mention Eugene Segura, Johnny Cueto, right. um, Berger, Bell, um, the Anthony Bass trade. I, I don't even know at this point. All the everything after that was her, and she was really good. She made good trades for the most part. She was able to dump a lot of players I never thought would have been able to be traded. Um, so you were able to trade Austin Jackson. You, she was able to trade Eliezer Hernandez, which I know. Alex Jackson, yeah. Alex um, Jackson, yeah. But as you go through it, it really, there just is not a clean narrative here. If you laser focus on the 2023 season, there is the fact that they improved by 15 wins one year after another and did it mostly due to her savvy trades. At the same time, it was harder to get to this point. One, because she was not efficient in free agency. The Solaire won in the second year of his deal, he was able to really live up to that contract. The other three big money ones, the biggest money of them all, the Avi deal was a disaster. Then even if you want to put that one on Jeter, there's been some reporting that that one was really Jeter focused and Jeter driven in that case. If you look at this past off season, they slotted in Johnny Cueto as a piece, a main piece of this rotation and Gene Segura as an everyday third baseman. And those moves were awful, just laughably bad that they, dumped Segura in the middle of the year and that honestly they would have done the same thing with Cueto if they hadn't been so desperate for starting rotation depth in the middle of the year those were Kim I mean those those you can't put those on Jeter that was this past offseason we're coming off her first full cycle as being the lead decision maker if you include the offseason in the regular season as you also alluded to even though they won as many games as they did they were outscored by their opponents by a big margin that had never happened before for a playoff team so if you're Bruce and you're being honest about where what trajectory what comes next for this team considering that they were outscored by their opponents and also the fact that some of those key players from this past year are not going to be available next year are not going to be around so lair very likely to opt out and bruce probably understandably hesitant to spend what it would take to keep him around and sandy being injured unfortunately you can't really blame anybody for that but just being realistic as to him being a piece that you really can't fill that void as much as they'll try. And as much as I'm sure Kim would get creative in trying to fill that. The other aspect of this is that the farm system has not improved whatsoever. It has mm-hmm. quite the opposite has gone Unworked, down. Yeah. And it's not only about her trading away some of those players to improve the yeah. team right now. It's about the development, whatever changes they've tried to implement over the last three years. And really, I guess you could say, it, that one is is tricky to pin on because that's the one that takes the longest to really see difference happening. And it's only been a year and a half since Gary Denbo has been out of here. The, this past year, covering the Marlins farm system was really depressing. They're, the top performers in this organization as minor leaguers were guys who are almost as old as I am. Uh, Troy Johnson and Patrick Monteverde and Dane Myers. And those are great stories, but they, they're lacking so especially on the hitting side, they've completely failed to like figure out a way to put these guys in position to become well-rounded hitters and project as everyday regular hitters. The farm system is, is deplete of that right now. Um, so that is one aspect of it. 
where if you look at teams that are small market teams, and that's that's partially on Bruce, if he's insistent on running his team this way and not wanting to have a high payroll, you need to have homegrown talent succeed. And there is really so little of those candidates in this pipeline right now that Kim has oversaw, including with some high draft picks. I don't know how much you want to pin that on her, but I think it's been pretty apparent that those last few early round draft picks have also, those guys in particular have not been fast tracked to the majors the way that uh, you hope they would when you're in a position to make that kind of draft. So there, I mean, there were issues going on here. I think the bottom line is the way she brings a lot to the table in terms of just not only her transactions, but a lot of the intangibles. There has been a whole lot of testimony, both from people inside the organization and around all baseball about her as a leader and for them for that to lose that brain power and that leadership ability from your organization, even if she wasn't perfect to just lose that and very likely to lose it to another major league team this coming off season or in the future and have her as a rival, um, that's really deflating for this organization. And um, the fact that you might have to, you're at this crossroads as an organization where you feel like uh, it's really, it's a worrying time in terms of how long is it going to take them to get back to the postseason. It's, it's a big undertaking that they have to go through and they're going through it at a time where you thought that continuity would be great. Continuity is what you love to see from sports organizations. It's to me, the one major issue that the Marlins organization has had their entire existence. They don't stick with something. They don't stick with, there's no continuity between ownership or from the front office or from managers or from players. And that makes it really hard to be a fan in this moment. Even if this proves to be the right thing, this is a really stressful day for fans that just want to know what's going on. The one thing else I'll add is that she hired Skip. She hired Skip, obviously Skip got the rest of the staff, but that was I mean, right now it's looking like an, a phenomenal hire. There's no other way to say it. He will be an NL manager of the year finalist. He took this team to the playoffs in the first year as a manager, and he's bound to be a great manager moving forward for Miami. So give her a lot of props to that. And then obviously, you know, if you guys were looking at Bear Jackson's Twitter, all, all his stuff, he was mentioning that this they kind of want to go in that direction where they do develop a good farm system of talent kind of like what we see now with Baltimore, obviously Atlanta at the time had a, had a great farm. You had Strider in there, a lot of homegrown talent. And that's kind of the direction that it looks like Bruce wants to go. And obviously I think candidates will be surround candidates will be targeted based off of that type of stuff. And we'll get into that soon, but I guess Isaac, any, oh, and the last thing I'll say is yeah, Kim Eng was not perfect. And I think you look at next season, I think all three of us could agree. This seems not going to be much better than, what we saw in 2023, Sandy, Bell, Solaire, all likely gone. Yes, Sandy's literally gone because the injury, but Bell and Solaire likely gone. You may lose a couple other free agents here and there. It obviously looks like they're not going to spend too much. And they're going to try to make more trades than anything. So you could say that this team's going to be worse than in 2023, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Now, I hope they do, and I do. Obviously, we all cheer for them to make the playoffs because – this past season was phenomenal, but who knows? I mean, aside from this past year, Kim Meng has been part of, I believe, three 90 loss seasons or would have been part of them because I don't, who knows what happens in 2024, but all points that they're not going to be very good. So Isaac, anything else? And then we'll move on to, I guess, a couple candidates. And then I want to talk about Barry's tweets. Yeah, Zeli echoed, it's objectively a negative day 
for the Marlins organization, no doubt about it. Um, if you want to sort of try and pry a positive, it's that it wasn't because the Marlins were cheap. The Marlins wanted her back in some capacity. They um, exercised that mutual option. And obviously, you know, two have to, you need takes two to tango. So she was not down to do that. And not only were the Marlins willing to pay her what they had agreed, they were also willing to spend money on a president of baseball operations. So Clearly, money does not seem to be an issue at this moment, which is fantastic news for a team in this market. But still, nevertheless, I don't think this was handled the best of ways, but we'll see. Maybe who knows what Bruce has planned. But we always did wonder uh, during the season, who exactly is Kim reporting to? It was only Bruce. And, you know, Bruce has admittedly said he's not exactly the biggest baseball guy. So it was hard. We figured it would be hard for anyone to gauge how well Kim was doing, but obviously us quote unquote experts here, we thought she did a fantastic job all year long in making these trades, being a buyer at the deadline and both of her deadline acquisitions. If you want to include David Robertson, all three of them were really net positive. Robertson really got going towards the end. So it's just tough, but like I said, I it's good to see that they do have money to, to float around here for those two empty executive positions. And I think we could kind of come to the agreement that they may try to look for both positions, GM and president of baseball ops. I think that was the intention that Bruce had originally. What if, if he were to keep Kim, he would have brought in a president of baseball ops, which is something they haven't had since in a very long time. I think since Michael Hill, right? Since Michael Hill, since Michael Hill. So, and you know, kudos to Kim also, because, you know, like I was talking about it before we got on the air her it was it her ego saying like no i'm not gonna report to anyone look what i just did with this 26-man roster you know what like good for her she just did this the michael hill couldn't do it larry byfest couldn't do it and samson's whole regime couldn't do it and she she did it uh, granted she was outscored by a million runs but she did it and she deserved to say hey screw off i'm not gonna report to someone i i reported to someone who was completely inexperienced in Derek jeter and now you want someone who had what 15 years of experience as an assistant GM for the Dodgers and Yankees to start reporting to someone all of a sudden after producing an 84 win team. Um, yeah. You, you can't blame her one single bit. Yeah. What I want to do quickly is just sum up the dynamics here. Cause I want people to be on the same page. Uh, the official transaction that happened was there was a mutual option for 2024 and she declined her end of it, but it's not her leaving the Marlins on their own. It's about this whole situation where Bruce wanted to kind of change where she stood in this hierarchy and she was not interested in that. So this was about both sides, not really being on the same page. And again, that's really unfortunate here that we got to this situation in hindsight. And we were saying at the time that it would have made a lot of sense to extend her early in the year, perhaps when she didn't have the leverage to um, expect a baseball operations title or when it would have been, maybe it just would have been cheaper to move her up in that position. Now that they face the competition, namely from the Boston Red Sox, they're the big team that has an opening for that top baseball position at this exact moment that I think they, it's really not, you don't need hindsight to say that it would have been great to get this resolved early in the year. Um, given that the way that things were headed in this direction and have her in place there and they waited too long. And so this one, I don't know if you could say down to the wire, but they were negotiating after the end of the season, trying to get on the same page here. And it's, yeah, it's disappointing that it got pushed back as far as it did, because I think it would have been easier for everybody to still to get this done if they had 
been more proactive from the Marlins' perspective, trying to get the contract results a lot sooner. And I think the best way you could look at it. Is, I think the best way you could look at this is kind of from the Mets' perspective. They brought in David Stearns. Epler left. They're essentially Kim left before they brought in the pay, the president of baseball ops. It's kind of a way to look. You could look at it. And, and uh, what were you saying, Isaac? Just a couple of things are interesting here because Kim Ng was a general manager for three seasons. And granted, that's not a lot of you know experience at that position. So you don't necessarily see a lot of upward trajectory in your career to go all the way to baseball operations in that short amount of time. So you do understand that part of it. But also, Bruce Sherman had no baseball operation, president of baseball operations in the last four years anyway. So why did that change now? Why didn't he hire one the, for either the first year that Kim was here or the last couple of years after Jeter had left? I don't know why after the postseason season, postseason year that they decided to to really attack that role. So that, I think that's very interesting, and he'll address it. Inevitably, there's going to be a press conference. So I think we're going to get all the answers we're looking for from Bruce. Obviously, and and I think that kind of goes back to the Bear Jackson stuff, Isaac. They they want sustain. They want to build something sustainable that includes the farm system, developing talent, bringing up guys. Obviously, we mentioned it. Khalil Watson's not even with the organization anymore. Jake Barry hasn't been very good. They haven't been good at drafting. I think that's the best way to put it. And not only drafting, they just haven't been good at developing players. Uh, you look from up the, from top to bottom of this organization. There's no blue chip prospect. There would never was. Since the start of Bruce Sherman's time here in Miami, it was one Yuri. Well, Yuri, yeah, but you know, there's no blue chip offensive prospect you can make the case there, unless I'm missing one. But right now, your best offensive bat is Victor Mason Jr. or Jacob Barry. Doesn't tell you it's very, it's not very good. And you know, hopefully, Barry got it going and he has in AFL, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But they want to find that, and I think that's why Bruce wants someone. And we'll get into options now. We could start right here. I mean, there are options that, you know, are GM candidates that make sense for for this type of role. Obviously, you could look at Baltimore. We'll we'll go into guys right now. I know, Eli, you have a, a list, and I'll have an article out on it. And Isaac, I, I would assume little by little you'll be finding a couple guys that catch your eye. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it just starts with the obvious choice. I know for some reason, former Marlins president David Sampson tweeted out his opinion, and then he he said maybe it'll be uh, a name that you've heard before. Um, and so my name, my mind straight goes to um, Michael Hill, who is currently serving as the senior vice president of on-field operations for Major League Baseball. He was a former president of baseball operations for the Marlins. Um, he had been with the organization since 2002, I want to say, uh, just for a very long time. And I think he is one of the smartest men in baseball, a Harvard-educated person who I think wouldn't be awesome to bring back. Like I said, it stinks that this is after uh, Kim is no longer here. Kim is going to be greatly missed. She was really striding into her own, and she was doing a fantastic job. But if there's one name that I personally maybe irrationally really crave, it would be Michael Hill, I think. I think he's a would be a great candidate. And I know no one's going to count it, but he led them to the 2020 postseason. So he did, and, uh, and he was, the, a, he was a part that, of that. Yeah, no, and that you know what? That is one of the craziest um, slur of slur of trades that I've ever seen. That guy, flurry of trades. I'm sorry, that guy acquired maybe 18 different guys during that 60 game sprint to help Miami make it. It was just an amazing, amazing run of moves that he made um, when half the team went. Uh, got COVID. So he is someone that I 
I'm, I'm smirking just remembering James Hoyt having the yeah. best month and a half of his oh, yeah. <laughs> being like a really good uh, situational reliever. He was Andrew. He was the Andrew Nardi of that season, even yeah, though he man. was uh, a very low level trade at that time. Yes, I was, and I was upset at the time as well when they made that change with Mike Hill going away. That I just didn't yeah. like the idea of subtracting brain power from your organization would i would have loved the idea of bringing kim as a gm underneath him that you know that's that's old news um but yeah to reiterate something we mentioned at the top of the show the process needs to be a lot different this time around whereas last time kim was essentially handpicked by jeter and she was qualified but the rest of baseball had overlooked her qualifications one time after again after again she'd been interviewing for gm jobs for almost 20 years you know before finally getting this opportunity and she got from a player who played on a former player who played underneath her when she was with the Yankees in the late nineties, early two thousands as well. This time it needs to be a far reaching search. The first place I guess you can look is internally where the they had three assistant GMs under Kim or Brian Chadden, Ozzo Campo and Dan Greenlee. And so they each have their different strengths and backgrounds. Brian Chadden's the one that's been around the longest um, I guess he's a sleeper candidate because I mean, he was inherited from Jeffrey Loria. And so he has been, he survived the rest of the Michael Hill era and was here during the whole Kim Ang era. Gets very little attention. Uh, Oz is somebody that was a much splashier hire. He came over from the Astros and anybody that was so involved with their success over there is very enticing. He had a close personal relationship with Kim. I don't know exactly what that means for his future, um, but he, he he just came here an off season ago. He'd be one of the younger GMs in baseball if he gets that opportunity as well. Dan Greenlee specializes on the analytics side, and if I was to you know just make a guess, uh, I feel like this lead decision maker is going to be more analytically inclined than Kim was. She was not like a super nerdy numbers person. She had she had wide experience in like all aspects of this, but. My where I go is I look at assistant GMs on other teams who are blocked from their own top job as who could bring more of that to the organization. In generally, that generally leads you to do more with less. If your owner is not going to spend as much money, being able to really put all this to standardize all your best practices and to use the technology to your advantage to identify under the radar players. And this translates to the minors as well. Um, so I, I think the two organizations that they'll be looking pretty closely at are the Orioles and the Astros with the Orioles. They have a couple assistant GMs or, you know, below the GM who like really raise my eyebrow here. Sig Mydell is Sig Mydell and Eve Rosenbaum. Eve is more so on the player development side and SIG on uh, the analytics side. But both of them, they're below Mike Elias in Baltimore, and he certainly has long-term job security. But both of them, those are two departments where the Marlins have a lot of room to grow, both analytically and in terms of player development. So getting them from an organization that, just, either of them from an organization that just won 100 games and that still has the best farm system in baseball and is seemingly set up for sustainable success in the way that the Marlins were not, um, that is something that I imagine Bruce is going to be focused on getting people that come from those organizations that have something sustainable locked up as good as this season was, as we've mentioned here, like there were serious doubts about where the Marlins go from here. 
And I think when you look at people that are going to be available that to interview for this, you look at assistant GMs from those organizations that have that kind of background. I'll mention Josh Burns from the Dodgers. He's their player development guy over there. The Dodgers very consistently have won the best farm systems in baseball, despite never having good draft position. And yet they win a hundred games every single year. They're consistently in the playoffs as well. James click with the blue Jays. He mm. was just a year ago. He was the Astros GM and he had yeah. a very unusual falling out with their owner. Um, it was only a matter of time before he's going to get another GM opportunity. And he was prior to the Astros. He was with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I imagine James click is going to be pretty high up on the target list. And aside from that, just to mention other lead executives who are currently out of jobs, Heim Bloom, or just a, a month ago or so, dismissed by the Boston Red Sox after having about four-season run over there. He is another Tampa Bay Rays product, another one who uh, I'll, I'd be curious to see what his interest level is, uh, but there are there are only a few GM positions open right now with the Red Sox, with the Mets, and then here in, in Miami. Uh, John Daniels was formerly the head of the Rangers, and he was pretty recently phased out of there. That'll be somebody to watch as well. And I guess I'll just mention Billy Epler, considering that he was, he's been now a GM a couple different places with the Angels and the Mets. Neither yeah. of those stops have gone great, with the exception of one season in New York, 2022. Uh, it, it should be, I just want to see it be a very wide ranging search. I think that's the bottom line. The one thing I will mention is that uh, Barry Jackson put that out and deleted it right now. From what we could assume, the, the interim GM is Brian Chatine. So uh, I, I butchered that, didn't I, Eli? I, I said his name just a few minutes ago. Brian I know. Chadden. All right. Brian Chadden. There it is. He is taking over as interim GM. So if whoever goes to winter meetings, that's the guy you'll see if they still haven't hired a GM by then, which would be worrisome in a way. But yeah, I think Eli nailed it. Those are the guys I would personally go after. I mentioned uh, I mentioned Ben Sistanovich from the Atlanta Braves, another team that year in, year out, develops players very, you know, big time. He is part of their player development side of things. He just look at their team. They have 15 homegrown players on that roster right now. And, you know, although they lost in the NLDS, they still put up over a hundred wins on the year. They were still first in the NL. I mean, that's a great team. And, you know, it's year in, year out. Not only do they develop and bring the guys up, they keep them. They sign them to very cheap long-term extensions, obviously. Spencer Strider, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, just something named there. Uh, James Click, I, I would assume maybe that's more of a president of baseball operations type of target there because right mm -hmm. now I think he's vice president of baseball operations with the Blue Jays. So that's the only one I would look there. And internally, I think you mentioned it, Eli Ozocampo. That would be the one I would like, you know, just in, if you're looking internal, externally, wow. you know, just get someone that's really good and comes from a good organization like Baltimore who has so many top 100 prospects that they could probably still stack up their major league roster even more there. So. Ocampo, obviously, he's credited with almost the whole, with, you know, scouting out the whole um, Rangers rotation, Luis, Luis Garcia, Fran Valdez, um, Jose Urquidy, and Christian Javier. He is someone who has a good eye for talent for the most part, you know, all internationally and in the minor leagues, which is something that looks like Bruce is trying to really find out there. So, yeah, it's a great, um, it's it's a good option there for Miami if, if you look internally, just more of, are they going to fill out both positions now? Because obviously that looked like that was Bruce's intention. And obviously whenever he speaks to the media, 
we'll find out, but definitely something to keep an eye out on what Miami does here. And uh, Eli mentioned Billy Upler. No. With the importance placed on you, just player development, scouting, and all that, which it has to be discussed if DJ Phillip will continue as director of amateur scouting. Is that, do you think he will? Because yes, um, Kim has been the GM and I guess he does report to her, but he is the one who's, for the most part, making these draft decisions. And is it safe to say that his job is secure? I don't think so. Depends on whoever the new guy is, if they want to keep him. They're once they bring in somebody new, if we think it's likely going to be somebody from the outside, then there could be a lot of turnover in here. Um, and honestly, I, it's not for the worst in some of these areas that we've, we've highlighted that where they're deficient. You know, there could have been some changes. I'll just reiterate that I thought she was Kim was part of the solution that they could have made. They should have been able to find a way to like attack some of these deficiencies without having to reach this impasse with her there should have been a way to yeah. uh, like give her if you the fact that bruce is willing to add more manpower or woman power more people power to this yeah. front office than spends um that that i can't it's really disappointing that they weren't able to get on the same page i mean yeah. the last thing i'll mention is i do just ponder very openly like how desirable this job is at the moment there there aren't that many other jobs available this particular off season. Um, so that is something the Marlins have going for them. There's only so many places for people to go if they're they believe they're ready to take the next step right now. They are coming off this postseason appearance, but yeah, all things considered, I, I don't know if that I feel like the end of Kim's tenure, the way that it ended, I think that could dissuade people from wanting to fill her shoes. If they if they lead this team to a postseason berth, the only first full season berth they've had in 20 years, and yet they're they enter that offseason with getting what would have been somewhat of a demotion to now being pushed down the hierarchy, like as, as valuable it is to have these jobs, like that just sends a really bad message about what it is that this, this new person is even being evaluated on. Like if they do their job, the team wins. And yet at the end of their contract, they are given what was essentially just a really bad offer to stay on then why would they want to get this job in the first place? If they don't feel like they're going to stick around very much. That's, that's what I'll finish off on for Bruce. Um, even if he felt like this wasn't the right combination of leadership to have with the team right now, uh, he, he put himself in a pretty tough position in terms of attracting, making this an attractive destination for other candidates. I mean, uh, it already was a pretty, you know, already a tough job to take on. I think is what you could say. Limited money, the farm system, no offense, is arguably one of the worst in baseball. I mean, it's not a very attractive job, but I mean, if you if you bring the right guy that has a track record of flipping farm systems around, making them look good, and finding sustainable successes, which is the word that we've been hearing all season long in 2023, we've heard that from Skip, we've heard it from even Kim at the time, Bruce since spring training. If that's what they want, then they'll hopefully find the right guy. Yeah, you you guys mentioned James Click. I mean, he was let go after winning the World Series. So yeah. I, I think this does happen in this industry. Um, it is a business at the end of the day. But I think there was a failure in the sense that there was not apparently a lot of transparency or communication between Bruce and Kim. Maybe if she had been let know that there would be a president of baseball operations at some point. But I don't think Kim would have walked away if she had maybe known that this was coming. It seems to me that she was taken from surpri- taken by surprise. And, you know, it, like I said, if there were some 
transparency and communication throughout the year or throughout her tenure here, then maybe uh, things would have played out differently. And obviously they give out that executive of the year award. And if Kim wins it, which, oh my God. And all like this, she could because she, she, yeah. she could. And I don't if she think does, she it'll will. be a bad look on the Marlins. I'll tell you that much. I, I don't think she will win it, but that, that is funny. She She's going to be a finalist at least, or, you know, close there. She, she turned around a team. Yeah. So I think we could end it here. Um, obviously not the episode anyone of any of us expected for sure. Uh, the expectation is to have Skip on for, for the next episode. We'll be talking. We'll be talking to him. See how we could, when we could do it. But definitely, if it's not sometime this week, next week, we'll get Skip. He is for sure going to be the next guest on on the podcast. So, Eli, Isaac, anything else before we uh, wrap it up here? No, no. Yes, like you mentioned, episode fifty. Um, we we're looking forward to Skip, but obviously, understandable. We had to postpone that episode. Uh, he gave me plenty of lead time. Uh, we are looking forward to recording with him, hopefully at some point next week. And there's going to be a lot of fun things to discuss, including this, you know, including the parting of ways with the person who hired him. So very much looking forward to that. And, yeah, we, like I said earlier in the show, there will be a, a press conference at some point, And we will have you all covered here at Fish on First. And I guess the last thing I'll mention very, very quickly is I know I saw a couple of people on Twitter put it, Skip's not going anywhere. Uh, throughout the interview process, you will 100% assume that they will be talking to whoever candidate and they'll tell him Skip is here to stay as well as the staff. So if you're taking this job, it has to be with him. So, And I would think every general manager candidate would say that's fine because he will be an NL manager finalist. I think Tori Lavelle will end up, will end up winning it, but you know he's been great and he something else to note he has just one year left on his contract moving you know after this entering 2024 with that i believe a club option in 20 going to 2025 so last thing i'll mention there but yeah from isaac eli myself we'll see you guys hopefully next week and uh peace out and go fish